0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is a very special episode. I'm really excited to bring this one all to you because it's been, I think, about three years in the making. These episodes often take um, a couple years to get people aligned. You know, this isn't a paid thing. This is more or less a hobby of ours and it's something that we enjoy. And our guests are often very busy and consume people that are really dedicated to their craft. Or they're often very shy people and they don't really feel the need or the desire to get out there and and communicate and speak, you know, because they don't want to say the wrong thing. And this has been an episode that's been the works, not because of those reasons, but because our guest has been incredibly busy and he's incredibly uh, creative and a huge inspiration for me personally. I've been listening to uh, his music and the work that he's been doing for quite some time now. And he's really inspired me as I stay up late and work through the nights I'm really excited for this one. This ed- intro, I'm going to focus a little bit on a topic that I feel is uh, quite relevant, and it's something that has been coming up quite a bit in uh, just threads and common things that I've been finding online. Um, and it's something that I, I would always consider and, and think about when I was starting out, and I'm still thinking and considering and, and, you know, constantly contemplating, and that is the idea of the secret of success. And we're going to talk a little bit about this with our guest, Christo, today, Um in the episode, but I figured I would kind of do a little bit of a segue in the intro as I've been doing, um, just to kind of further develop these thoughts and see what you guys think as well. There's this weird thing that seems to happen more and more nowadays that I see online is people are hunting for that button or that secret, you know, magic paintbrush or that magical instrument or whatever it might be that would kind of answer, you know, you know, how, how do you get to be so good? I think that the thing is that sucks is Most people don't realize the thing that makes you better is just the thing that you really don't want to be doing the most, which is usually the minutia of practice and continual hard work. If I were to tell you that the way that I got better was just you know endless late nights and all that stuff, you'd probably roll your eyes and go, sure, but how did you do it? I'm really being genuine about it, and everybody that I've spoken to about this and the people that I admire that are really amazing, it's the same process. There's no secret. It's basically you just kind of, find what you love and there's a couple of things that I wanted to just kind of dive into that I hope would maybe kind of help you if you're that person that's online trying to hunt for that, you know, success or you're asking people like, "Hey, what camera do you use?" or "What uh brush do you use?" or any of these things. Um those are the wrong questions, I think. I think the question that you really want to know is what makes you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? And ask yourself more most importantly like what can I do that makes me happy? What can I do that, you know, brings me, um, you know, pleasure and success itself is is a very subjective term. I totally understand that it's not designed for everybody. Not everybody is going to have, you know, this natural success and there's not going to be these things that align for you just yet. But if you work towards it and you're constantly going after it, I really do feel that, you know, there are moments in your life where you're going to have nice, blissful moments of success. I don't think life is designed to just be constant success and there's no such thing as an overnight success. In my opinion, I think it's all about how many times that, uh, how much, how much devotion that person's put to their craft. So there's a couple of things that I know that for sure have aligned in the things that I've studied in, in my own personal success is that you really need to learn how to devote yourself to whatever it is that you're doing, whatever your craft or whatever. And I know it's uh, it's common, but you really need to work hard for it. It's you got to respect your time and you got to respect whatever it is that you're doing with hard work. And that's really important. Another big, important part of success that I've seen and evolved success is when I see somebody learning to evolve. We're going to talk about that a little bit in this episode, but it's really important to learn to evolve. And it's really hard to, you know, if you, if you find yourself successful and you're getting awards and that and all that stuff, or even if you're not doing that and, you, and you're stuck in a rut, it's usually because you're not being honest with yourself and you're not evolving. Anytime that I've ever, ever been frustrated in my work or my, my journey or my career, it's usually been due to me lacking my evolution and not being able to evolve. I think it's really important to try new things and add that, add those things to your life, you know, traveling and, and experiencing other cultures and all that kind of stuff. It really does. It's not, it might not, you know, be something you could put in your resume necessarily, but it will infer your work. It will add a lot to your work. Another thing that I found that's really important in successful people is they really learn how to communicate well. You know, if you can communicate well, you can get a lot across. You can get your mind and your thoughts across, which is really important. And most importantly, you need to learn how to listen. Learning to listen is a really important part of success that I found as well. And it's something that took me a long time and I'm still learning it. I think we're all a work in progress. And that's something I've been, you know, really trying to work towards. Another thing that's really important that I've noticed is being humble and thankful. And it's really easy to say, but it's, One thing that I think I found in in really happy people and successful people is that they've really understood and hopefully the, the idea of being humble and thankful for things. If you can take a second and just be thankful for what you have, and it could be as simple as like, I'm thankful for the shoes on my feet or I'm thankful for, you know, the ability to eat this meal. I'm thankful for my health. Um, you know, recently in my family, we had a couple of health scares and it was something that my wife and I were talking about how, incredible it is to be thankful for our health and how much we take it for granted you know there's so many things that we have on a daily basis and i don't mean it needs to be a full time job of you sitting there and banking things it's just the moment that you feel that you're slipping or you're feeling entitled uh take a minute and just go you know i'm thankful for try to switch it so i'm thankful for this you know even if it's something that's against you they think about it like i'm thankful for somebody pushing me hard i'm thankful for that you know and embrace that The more you embrace it, I think the more you can turn it into energy that you can use. Um, You know, it's 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 not all just one thing. I think with success, you know, to cap all my thoughts, I don't think that with success it's all just you know. You can't just say you know. Most of the time, if you ask somebody that's very successful in the spiritually and monetarily, they'll say, "Well, it's it's many things. It's not just one thing. It's a combination. It's everything from their childhood, but their perspective and how they look at things." So just be really aware of that and when you're looking for it, you're searching for it and you're trying to ask and ask for those answers trust me you're not going to get it and if somebody says that they have those right answers they're lying to you i don't agree with that i don't and i don't like when people say that they have the answers to things like that because they don't and most of the time they're just you know trying to trying to get your attention or or get your likes or your money and that's usually dishonest and It's not going to give you what you need, I think. I think true hard work, devoting yourself to your craft, evolving, communicating, listening, being thankful and humble. All these things are really um, key fundamentals and many more. And again, these are all just my opinions. I'm not completely successful. I find that I I have days where I feel very successful and I feel that I have days that are very, very unfruitful as well. So and I think that's a part of it. So. Anyways, uh, that's my, uh, little focus on the topic of the secret of success. It's something I've been finding that keeps coming up a lot and people keep asking me about these things. And, um, I'm hoping that you're listening to this and this is going to give you, uh, an evolved answer outside of like a a reply on Twitter or Instagram or any of these things. Um, let's talk a little bit about our, our guests this week. I'm again, I'm super excited. Christo is, is just a phenomenon. I, I love his work. I'm a huge fan of the show Utopia I'm sure if you've listened to the show, you you are highly aware that I talk about it quite a bit. He's also done um, quite a few things, and he's also worked on um, Black Mirror. There's an episode called Black Museum that he did the score for, which is awesome, very very good. Um, we talk a lot. We mainly focus our talk around Utopia because I think if we were to talk about his body of work, it would, it would take consume a lot a lot more time of the conversation. So. We kind of focus everything around Utopia, which is some, what I'm most familiar with his work. But he also just did the humans as well. Um, but he's he's been doing a lot of amazing work. And what you'll find with it, this conversation, which I love, is he's very transparent and he's very open about what he thinks and feels. And it's it's awesome. And it's and we get a little inside of you into kind of how he works and thinks about things when he's creating this work. And if you watch Utopia, you know how integral and important the score is. It's such an important part of the show. And there's this odd blend between this incredible violence, insane violence on the screen and this jovial and interesting um, track that also that Christo has brought to the, to the show. And it's this contrast there's many different layers to it, obviously, but it's one of those things I remember sitting there watching the show for the first time and going like, okay, well, who did the score for this? Because it's, I've never heard something like this and it's, it's really impressive. And, again we've been working on getting this this episode for about three years now so thankful we just did it um just wrapped in i'm just really really thankful so um we talk about all kinds of amazing other things and just talking about like his education and got how he got his master's degree um his traveling and his evo- evolution and stuff but i'm gonna let you go through this episode and enjoy it this is going to be episode 187 with christo tapia Devere. let's roll It's been like three years that we've been trying to get you on the show. I can't remember. You've been very busy though. <laughs> and we're wow. very persistent. We're, we're a small podcast, but we represent a pretty, a pretty important part of the community, the creative community. So, but, oh, great. but I'm super thankful. Thank you so much. And I'm a huge, huge fan. I don't know if, if you know how many times I've listened to just the utopia score. It's like it, it there's something that happened when I watched that show. I, it's very rare where I go like, Hey, what is that part right there? You know, usually I, I, I try to experience the whole thing and your work was so that, that show in general, I'm sure, you know, is is very unique and very special and it has completely its own thing, but your score, it like, it just took it to a whole nother level. And I just like, thank you for that because as an entertaining factor, it was just amazing. So Thank you so much because your work's amazing, and thank you for being here. So, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Let me just stroke your ego for a bit here. Now,
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I just rely on people to tell me if something's good or not. Mm. It, it's uh, you know, it, it can it can get uh, confusing sometimes when you're working on on things, and uh, I mean, I, I I've told this often to people, but uh, uh, like Utopia, for example. Uh, uh, it, uh, you know, it's uh, when I was finishing the the soundtrack, I mean, I was never sure of what we were uh, doing or accomplishing or anything. I thought it was really, uh, it was such a guess, uh, a gamble. Uh, it was so weird that I thought that it was going to be uh, terrible, you know, like, maybe, I mean, not terrible. I mean, like a catastrophe. Uh, like critics were going to, you know, destroy it. And then people were going to hate it and then, uh, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it turned, it turned out to be uh, the opposite. So
0: Mm. you guys took a good risk and I think it really paid off. It was one, the utopia is one of those shows. It was just like before black mirror actually was really big. I would talk about it a lot on this show. Fans of the show know about it, me talking about all the time because how much I enjoyed it, it was very much a breath of fresh air because I could tell you guys were taking a risk. I could tell just by the, your score and your approach to the score and they approached the cinematography and the story itself and how wild and crazy it was that you were all kind of, I don't know, is this good? I, I'm not. <laughs> but I could tell you were all doing, I felt like the, you know, you know how I, I would imagine how, when you make art, there's a, there's a, I'm sure you've done commercial work where it's somewhat transparent and then there's work where you really create it from within. I yeah. felt like that work was created from within of, from all of you, which I, which I really enjoy because that is the work that I feel like lasts the test of time. So it's really cool to know that it was, you weren't sure (laughs) if it was going to be great or not, which is, I guess a good testament, uh, you know,
1: it it also depends on who's working on a project. Uh, uh, This director, uh, Mark Mondin, who's a good friend, uh, he uh, uh, allows that, uh, that kind of vibe to, uh, to happen, and uh, it's not always the case because uh, people are afraid and they're, they're easy. You know, you can go easily go uh, a path that you already know, or that has been proven or uh, whatever. So people don't really take the, that many risks. But uh, with Mark, uh, he, 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 every project I've done with him, it has been like that where uh, we try things, and uh, we just trust uh, our instincts, and then uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, But so far, it's been uh, really good. You know, we haven't uh, done anything that uh, we're not proud of, or that, you know, people didn't connect or anything like that. So it's good to have that, uh, uh, well, that connection with someone in the production and also, uh, uh, just uh, to be allowed to be creative and uh, be in a place where uh, things could get a little scary because you're trying things. Mm. I, I call it a gamble, but it's, it, I don't know if that's fair. Uh, it's kind of a scary word, but um, uh, I think people should trust a little bit more in general. Uh, all the, uh, what I mean is that most movies or TV shows that I like, there has been someone involved in those projects that uh, um, uh, somehow allowed for this vibe to happen where people are being creative and being maybe a little bit scared. Uh, They're trying things. And, uh, you know, after you hear actors saying that uh, good actors that what they really like uh, to do is uh, go for roles that uh, they're afraid, uh, they're scared, they don't know if they can do it, and things like that. And I think that that's really important. Uh, And it's the same thing for a musician, I, I guess, I think.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a, I think there's a rawness to it because when I think there's a, like from my perspective, there's an innate language that we speak, which is fear, which comes from like our ancestry, but there's something about being afraid, which opens up all your senses, which allows you to be very much in the moment. I think that, you know, people that are willing to give themselves to their craft Like to put themselves in that position because it allows them to be open to living, basically. You know, so it's really great to hear. It's really great to know that you have a a deep connection to the director because there's when you're creating this stuff, there's no better person to have in your corner than the director because the director, him or her, are going to help push you through, or they're going to destroy your dreams and and it's going to be a horrible experience. (laughs) But it it sounds like the two of you are a really perfect match because the the content, the feel of the content that you produce through the sound and the score and the music, and then the visual and the overall story and the arcing that he puts together. It's just like from an entertainment standpoint of me experiencing it, it's been really great. and I really appreciate it. And it's for me, I find that the more I consume, the hypercritical I get of everything. And so I really appreciate when something comes out and says like, Hey, I'm totally unique than anything you've ever experienced, you know, in the day of all the Hans Zimmer rip offs and the inception boom sounds, you know, you guys are going off and using totally different tonalities and instruments, which I really, I don't know. It's really cool. And I appreciate the risk. It's really, it's really been awesome. I did a little bit of research on you. Hopefully that's okay. Just Wikipedia. And I found out a couple of things. I think it's important for me to know a little bit more, more about you before I have a conversation. And it looked like you traveled a lot growing up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, um, uh, I, I was born in Chile uh, during the dictatorship uh, in Chile. So there were some, uh, you know, we traveled, my mom took me to Paris at some point, And I was maybe, I don't know, three or four years old. And then we stayed there for a little bit. But then we had to come back to Chile. Uh, and then I stayed there until uh, I was uh, 15 uh, years old. So uh, and then uh, we left again, and uh, it was still the the dictatorship that was going on when we left uh, when I uh, moved to Canada. So um, uh, and then, um, yeah, afterwards, I mean, I, I've been traveling uh, a lot. Uh, uh, but, uh, both for work and for, uh, pleasure. Uh, yes. Uh, but, uh, it, I mean, it, it's, um, it, it's somehow all the same for me because being a musician, uh, uh, I'm never really off, uh, uh, or in a vacation mode in my head. So, uh, to be somewhere, it's, it's just a chance to collect maybe some sounds or instruments or stuff that I could make instruments of or, uh, anything. So, uh, yeah, I've been traveling a lot uh, since uh, forever, I
0: guess. <laughs> Do you feel like there's something about the tonalities and in the instruments that you're using? I felt like you're well-traveled just from the experience of that I hear audibly from you. Like you're not using the typical thing that I hear. I'm hearing like percussive instruments from i don't know like latin america mixed with like different like samba sounds and like all these kind of different tonalities and stuff do you find that do you feel that traveling from an early age has inspired your work or given you a place to create
1: uh that's weird because uh you know i think there's more people than than uh, that that you think that are using actually, you know, weird sounds, weird instruments. Sure. And even, even you can buy, you know, sound banks of the weirdest stuff uh, <laughs> that exists that, uh, and you can make music with that. And sometimes I've I watched, like, uh, in the, the bonus features in the movies, uh, for example, is going to be a. About the score, some feature, and uh, and and they're just doing the weirdest stuff. I mean, using weird instruments. But interestingly, I, I could never tell by watching a movie uh, because somehow using weird stuff uh, doesn't mean that the, the music is gonna be fresh. Uh, you can use any instruments, but if you're writing a score uh uh in the usual way uh and you are helping you know the the images helping the actors in the usual way and all that then somehow uh the music sounds the same as as a, tra- a traditional you know um uh uh european orchestral uh, uh thing uh, you know with strings and brass and uh, woodwinds and everything so, uh, I don't know if the, if it's the choice uh, of, uh, instruments or, um, or the approach or, uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't study to, to, to write music for the image at all. Mm. Uh, to, to me, that's part of the, being scared of what I was doing, like utopia and all that, because I was just trying anything. <laughs> I, I was actually just making music. Yeah. Like. Do my own album or or anything else. Yeah. So I always consider uh, all the scores that I've done uh, somehow like my albums. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I've been offered, uh, but uh, some labels told me, uh, you know, uh, if I would be interested in making a, a solo album or something. And then I just haven't found the necessity to do that because everything I would like to do, I'm doing it. In this course, so um, I guess um, the, the my non scientific approach to help the image and all that uh, must be one of the reasons it sounds the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's more personal because I'm not sharing uh, the, the common language that m- most uh, you know composers have uh, in the way they do things, and even. Uh, some composers have tell me, like, I have a, a very good friend who does all these big uh, movies. And um, he told me once that, you know, he he's a real fan of uh, Utopia and all that. But it sounds like, uh, he told me that it sounds like someone who doesn't know what he's doing.
2: Hmm.
1: That's how how I, they think about this. Hmm. And I, which is great. Yeah, uh, it is. Because, uh it's great that
0: you embrace that too. Such an interesting compliment. <laughs> it's like a it's like a backhanded compliment almost. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's interesting, and I I just happen to like more scores that are done by people who didn't study uh, to do this. Uh, so mostly musicians from bands that were asked to do this kind of job, and they did you know a couple of you know soundtracks like uh, uh, I don't know, like for example, uh, Mika. Mika Levy, hmm. uh, who did Under the Skin, uh, uh, nice. I really appreciate something like that. Uh, so she was, you know, a musician from a band. She 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 wasn't doing this this kind of stuff.
0: Johnny Greenwood uh, has a similar kind of thing too. Like his approach as of being a musician and Radiohead, and when he does scores, although he's very, I think he's classically trained, is yeah. the sounds that he gets to the picture is is they're so different but they're beautifully mer- they merge together to create authenticity i guess right
1: oh well, yeah i really appreciate the uh, the uh, influences that he's bringing to the screen yeah because there's lots of uh contemporary music uh in there influences that, are, that i love like uh, Messiaen. i think he's a big fan of messiah
2: mm-hmm. yeah he maybe,
1: is maybe maybe some schoenberg uh, and things like that and uh so, and that rarely happens, uh, in movies. Well, I, I mean, at least, uh, in, in the last, uh, uh, 20 years or something, I, I think in the sixties, uh, maybe around that time, there was more, uh, there were, uh, experimenting more, uh, with, uh, contemporary, uh, you know, mother uh, modern music, uh, in, in the writing, uh, at least, uh, but, uh, uh yeah it doesn't happen uh that much and um a movie like um uh what was it uh there will be blood
0: yes yes i thought, it, uh, yeah. I thought it
1: was really really amazing because
0: incredible score probably one of the best so good and yeah so, yeah so big and but so like there's moments that are so fragile yeah
1: yeah and uh the score is is telling uh uh like a lot, uh, I don't want to say its own story because it, it is the story of the movie, but if you would take out the score, then I feel like you wouldn't have at all the same movie. No, yeah, and, of course. Um, uh, it, the score is doing very strange things and sometimes it's, it feels even unrelated to what you're seeing in, in front, like uh, on a particular scene, but uh, it's, it's uh, bringing... Um, so much depth and de- dimension to, uh, uh, that, that might not be the script. And, um, so, uh, with the, with, uh, I would say the, the Hollywood language that we are used to, uh, in most uh, recent movies, it feels like you could exchange uh, composers and it would do the job and it would, I mean, it would be the same movie. Yeah. Uh, because it's such a uh, you know uh, a, a language that is shared by so many people that it feels uh, very it, it feels a bit the same uh, in general. So uh, uh, well, I don't know. There's all kinds of politics behind that. I don't want to say that composers are are you know um, doing this by themselves. They just happen to want to sound, uh, exactly like some other guy or saying uh, things like that. I think it's a tough business and people are asked to do, uh, things, uh, a certain way. And then, uh, you know, it, it standardizes, uh, what people are doing. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And taking risks is not, uh, uh you know, I, I just thought about another guy that I really like who was the singer. Um, from uh, this
0: 90s. Yes, I know you're talking about he did uh, A Place you know, Beyond the Pines. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. So, this is uh, a very unique score. Very unique score.
1: I don't know if you know this guy, Mike Patton. Mike Patton, yeah, exactly. So this yeah. guy has like a million albums. Um, yeah, he's a super, music machine. <laughs> and he would do, uh, you know, an Italian crooner uh, light pop album and then he would do death metal and then he would do a John Zorn free jazz album. <laughs> and uh, that's really, really, truly inspiring Some someone who's free to do stuff like that. And he did also, uh, you know, this movie, uh, Crank?
2: Mm-hmm. Crank? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I right. Think he think
1: was Crank 2, the second one. Yep, yeah. And it's an in insane score for uh, an, a fast-paced action movie. Yeah. And I uh, think that was wonderful. Cool. And, uh, and yeah, very different from A uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Uh,
0: which had uh, some really beautiful moments in it. Really like captivating moments in the sound itself. There's a, a couple scenes I remember in the theater watching the movie going, wow, like this, the way that the audio is pairing. Because in my opinion, there's a lot, there's many different realms, right? Let's say like um, like No Country for Old Men, which has no score but it's just as powerful. You know, They think that was a very unique decision from the Cone brothers because that, that film went completely the other way. But then you have films like star Wars, which couldn't even, I think exist on the level it did without John Williams. Oh, yeah. Compositions, you know, because yeah, yeah. can you imagine star Wars without all those themes? It's not possible, right? It's there's
1: nothing. There's, there's nothing. If you, yeah. if you, I mean, uh, it, it really works together as a whole, uh, yeah. I don't want to say that uh, it's all uh, John Williams or anything like that it's, it's like saying
0: it's so so important though
1: it, it, it's a band that works really well together you know you, you yeah. need to- you need the other guy and uh,
0: that's it it just works it's like Nirvana without Kurt Cobain you still have Dave Grohl and everybody else they're playing, the music's great but then you don't have you know, Nirvana basically, so I think it's the same kind of equivalent, I just watched a film recently, maybe about 6 months ago, it was called Good Time have you seen Good Time? that score uh, is really interesting as well is it's very the exploratory electros- the
1: electronic score. is mm-hmm. that uh, yes. the actor?
0: Yes. Um, I'm trying to find who did the score for it. Um,
1: Well, uh, I, uh, yeah, I I have to rewatch it because people told me uh, that I was going to like it. And then uh, I wasn't really sure, to be honest, uh, (laughs) because I I felt like I was too much in a club. Mm,
0: Sure. Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) But that could be something interesting. I don't know. I just I uh, maybe I just didn't get it. But uh, uh to me it was taking a, a bit too much space uh mm-hmm. the music uh the way it was done i don't know uh but uh yeah who knows uh, i have to watch it again
0: yeah uh, <clears throat> well yeah and that's cool and i appreciate i love that you have your own opinion you're not afraid to voice it too as well because i think that's another thing especially in this industry everybody is worried they don't want to offend anybody because obviously you're not saying things to offend you're just voicing your opinion which i think is you're completely entitled to because you've actually managed to make great work. So I think that, and great work means that you've been authentic to yourself and being able to create that work, which I think is really important. There's this thing I've been studying and and kind of reading up on. I find kind of fascinating. I watched this round table with all the lead uh, Hollywood composers and they talked about like how much they despise temp tracks Oh, yeah. Would, yeah. yeah. I, I would hate it, too. And I was I was talking to my wife about it because she didn't know what it was because she's not super familiar with this business. I'm educating her, you know, every once in a while. But I was showing her because I started editing a lot and I was showing her like, well, everything comes from the score. And oftentimes they use temp tracks to get the pace of things because the composer isn't around for the thing. And she's like, why? I, why isn't the composer around there for that time? And I'm going to we'll get into your creative process and admit. But I'm just curious as what you think about. Editors, directors putting in temp tracks from other films to push out the edit. Do you have to deal with that? What's your, you know, thought on the whole temp track uh, phenomenon? Yeah,
1: uh, I guess it. Uh, it's like case by case. I would say uh, I don't mind it that much. Uh, I tend to have a, a to get a blend of my own music they they would use from another project into the temps, and then. Some music like uh, uh, I often get uh, a little bit of Mika Levy or uh, Trent Reznor stuff like that mm. uh, because there's not that many composers who are doing um, using electronics or uh, doing something that is not uh, you know orchestral. So I tend to get often the same kind of attempt scores. Um, sometimes people are very uh, attached, you know, they get the demo syndrome, and yeah. that could be a problem. Yeah, because if they start asking you uh, to do it, something a little bit more like the temp, uh, then, uh, you know, it, it could be right. Maybe the temp is doing something important and then you miss that point. Sure. That's cool. But uh, then it, it could go all the way uh, to you, uh, uh, you know, making a, a, a copy of something. And then I think that's, that doesn't work. Uh, because um well i mean i don't know maybe there's uh that might show a a connection a problem between uh uh, the the composers uh and the uh whoever you know a producer or director is asking to you know to get a a straight copy of of something uh, of a temp
2: yeah uh
1: so i don't know if that could end well uh, with something uh, good. Uh, but uh, I don't know, uh, I mean, attempt, it's a good way to try to explain to someone uh, to to a musician what wh- what you want. And uh, it's, it's not that every director and producer uh, has a musical background. Mm-hmm. So it can be complicated explaining to a musician what you like. So you know, it makes sense to show uh, stuff that uh, it's, uh, you know, maybe explaining better uh, uh, what you want. Yeah. Um, So I think it's part of the job of the composer to um, try to understand that and not get into a a fight or being, uh, you know, uh, whatever insulted or or anything like that. Uh, because I don't think it I don't think it's the case. Uh, more often than not, that I don't think people are trying to impose uh, something uh, a sound or a particular style. I think it's more that uh, there's an idea uh, that uh, a certain temp track uh, m- might be uh, giving uh, and, and you need to understand that idea and make it uh, your own, uh, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's got to be quite difficult. And I think you have to remove yourself from the equation to, in order to appreciate what it is. And I can't imagine how complex that must be too, but you're absolutely right. There's oftentimes in the production of things, people, they might not have a musical background. So if they just have a feel from a track and they can say, well, it's kind of like this and merge that with this. And here's the sound of that it can kind of help you. But sometimes And one thing I really appreciate about your work is the visuals don't match the audio in a sense that they're typical, but they are so unique and different that they do blend really well. At least for me, it was. And it was not that it was standing out against the show or going against it. It was more like, wow, this is very unique in the sense that I've never seen I've never experienced this in this communication of like I'm viewing something. So it was very unique, though what you had managed to combine with the visuals, which I th- found really fascinating. A funny story that I think I remember reading about Paul Thomas Anderson is I think when he, when Johnny Greenwood gave him a first pass of the score for no country for, or not no, for no country for um, there will be blood. There was, I think he's from, what I remember I'm pretty sure is this one. He, he was like, what the hell is this? Like he didn't understand what it was and he, he had said it took him a couple of days to process what he had get, get, gotten from Johnny. And then once he did, he yeah. was like, OK, this is really quite a genius. But the first approach that he had was like, what is this crap? You know, like I can't use this. This That's, makes no sense, you know, like,
1: <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, uh, I I heard a similar story uh, about Clint Mansell. Mm. and it was for a requiem for a dream.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And at some point, (laughs) uh, you know, in the last part of the movie, things get really, really, really fucked up. Yes. And and then the music uh, is just crazy. Uh, It's really insane. And uh, I heard the exact same story from the director that he received the music. And they were like, uh, you know, what, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what, what are we supposed to do with this music? You know?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> then, I, I, um, it's kind of a crucial moment because this happens uh, to me also often that the director might not get it uh, right away. Uh, but then you, you have to give it, you know, some hours, maybe a day or two. Uh, and, uh, you might find something, uh, that is even better than you thought. Yeah. Uh, Uh, you have to be open to that. uh, Because to put that away, uh, if you get a shock like that, and and you, you run away uh, from that, uh, I would I I think the uh, financier's mind works like that. Hmm. Uh, Naturally, when when they feel something like that, uh, uh, and they get scared, they run away. Uh, I think a, a more creative mind, uh, a director uh, tends to to give it time, and it's really important to give something time. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean it, it's, it's complicated. I, mean, I understand that some something could be scary, and then you think it's going to be a catastrophe. It happens to me, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's it's just time and being open uh, to to what uh, could happen. And also uh, concerning that you were talking just before uh, uh, about um, the editing process. Mm. Um, Because with the temp, the problem is that sometimes uh, um, there's a rhythm to a scene and it goes with the rhythm of the music. And then when you edit stuff, it somehow the music informs uh, what what you're editing. And then to change the music is very complicated. And I think uh, lots of movies that I really like, they were done with the music, Uh, they were edited sometimes to the music, I think uh, uh, some uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies might be done like that. I think under the skin, there was a lot of that. Uh, They they heavily, uh, I think, edited the music uh, 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 as well as the image uh, together, so um, I think it, it does work better uh, yeah. uh, that if it's you know it just if you give uh, something that is finished to a musician and just you know ask for uh, uh, for music, I don't know. Uh,
0: it doesn't make sense to me in the creative process of creating things. I think that. I, I, I agree. I think a lot of the things that I really enjoy have been a symbiotic relationship between the director, the cinematographer, you know, the writer and then the composer, because from my standpoint, those are the the main machines that push the the actual piece through. And I find if you can have that, the problem is in production, it's so hard to align people to their timelines and their budgets and the scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Cause you could be, you know, Hey, you're, I'm busy on this black mirror episode. I can't help you with that until three months from now. And then this, I got to get my principal photography going. And then they, I need to get the dailies edited so I could show the financiers, you know? And and by the time they, at the time you meet up, they have all these like Trent Reznor tracks attached to it and Atticus Ross just tracks, you know? And so by the time it happens, it's, I think it, I mean, I, I know that it works for, for like Chris Nolan, for example, when he works with Hans Zimmer, I think, he's definitely working with him right at the time, but he's at the top of the top in, in regards to directing. But I think um, for like newer directors, people like myself who, who are coming up in the industry, I, I, f- I find it as important to, co- to contact the person who's going to be creating the other part of the experience, which is the audio and the sound, to do it simultaneously because you just find this really beautiful rhythm, I think, that occurs from it. I oftentimes, whenever I work, I try to... I usually, I work with my friend Anthony and Anthony, he makes incredible music. And I just say like, here's the thing I'm thinking and just make something. And yeah, he goes off and makes some incredible thing. And I try not to ever give him temp. And I'll give him a couple links of weird things. I'm like, here, just put this in your cereal and like mix it around. And then like, let's see what happens, you know? So, yeah. but you have to trust the process. That's something I, I I noticed from hearing you talk is you're very much about trusting the oddities of the process, and I think you're embracing it, and and embracing the fact that you're not coming from a traditional standpoint, and almost in the sense where you know it's different, but at the same time, I think you you see and appreciate that it creates authenticity. So, which is really awesome. This is it's quite rare, I think, at least from my standpoint. So. It's, it, yeah, I
1: think I think it is uh, from what I hear. Uh, uh, I, I think the process is really everything. Uh, there's someone uh, I talked to a director uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he asked me how how does something like Utopia happen, and uh, it's really hard to to explain uh, because, like like uh, like I said before, it's not about the instruments or the sounds. Uh, it's really about the process and how different the process is. Yeah, and if if the process is is really um, unexpected and uh, unfamiliar, let's say to uh, the executives uh, uh, or or, uh, producers and everything, then there's a good chance the result is going to be also very different uh, because uh, the the process informs too much how the the final project feels, so. I, uh, you know, when the conversations turn into, uh, uh, things about money, uh, 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 or a- anything like that, I, I, I tend to uh, walk away from those kind of conversations because it's, uh, I, well, first it gets me in a really bad mood. Uh, 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 and then, uh, if I, if I start thinking about things like that, then uh, then um, I I'm not sure why I I, I I'm even doing uh, uh, this project and, uh, uh, and things like that. So it, it becomes negative. Mm. Um, so um, I guess the good thing uh, I mean, the best place to be is when you have a director that keeps you away from anything um any conversations with uh, the executives uh or uh, or producers well it, produce is different sometimes there's a producer who's really involved and he's really supportive of the director mm. so and that's great uh but sometimes it, it can be uh, like the police so it really it depends on the projects but when people are playing are playing police uh then it's not it's not that great uh it's it's not a, a creative uh uh surrounding um.
0: yeah It becomes quite toxic yeah, yeah. i've ex- i've experienced um both sides of that too and and i i agree i i feel like emotionally detached when things get too business like as well i'm i i personally am mostly motivated by directors who want to just create authenticity and make something unique and be a part of something that's special Um, yeah but then when you get that that whole spectrum it's very off-putting you mentioned that the process to you is everything and that's I I agree I think that there's something fascinating about the process what do you think of the end result is it just kind of obviously it's the culmination of the process and it flowing together um, but do you revere or do you think about like how does it work for you when let's say we're just using utopia I know you have a, a wider spectrum of work we'll talk about that but like with Utopia, for example, like what's your experience once that show's done, once everything is out? Do you kind of put it behind you and you move forward, and you're just about the process and the next project, or how does it work for you? Like, what keeps you motivated? Do you go back to it? Do you listen to it? Do you articulate it? Um, uh, uh,
1: well, maybe that project a little more, uh, only because of the fact that that was like a a, a break to me. Yeah. Uh, I sense that. Um, uh, you, you know, I, I did one project before that, uh, with the same director, it was called uh, the Crimson Pedal on the white. Um, and, uh, so that was a year before and, uh, I would say it was, we were still, uh, uh trying new things and everything. It was a period drama. So we have to respect, uh, you know, the, uh, well whatever we associate with prior drama uh, as you know uh, uh music wise so there's some experimentation but uh it was still tried to fit uh, in in a in a mold and uh, uh it was the bbc uh, so uh, anyhow the result of that yeah, i was really happy i mean lots of people uh, loved the, the the that show and the music and everything but uh it, it wasn't a break in the sense that um uh, let's say uh, uh for a year after that i wasn't doing anything uh for me i was still a musician who happened to d- to have done that project and then i was just going back to you know working with people on albums and uh this and that uh, but the the phone wasn't ringing for me to do uh you know uh, television and movies and stuff. And then one year later, we did utopia. And then the process was uh, so, uh, so different. Uh, It was a bit uh, kamikaze in the sense that, uh, like I said, uh, I was really afraid that it was going to be uh, catastrophic for me. uh, uh, What we what we did with that project. Uh, And uh, and uh, because I think it was so different, uh, uh, and uh, uh, it was kind of, in a way, it was fearless in the sense that we were trying things that uh, that were a, a gamble, uh, somehow it did a, a much bigger uh, impact, I think, uh, at least uh, in the UK at that time, at that point. Uh, and... Uh, somehow everybody was talking about it, and then, uh, you know, the phone hasn't stopped ringing since, (laughs) uh, which is very interesting because (laughs) this is kind of the opposite of what what I was expecting to do because what you hear uh, from this world uh, of uh, movies and everything is that it's very conservative. Uh, uh, All the new composers are very afraid to try things because they're afraid to not get a job, yeah, or to get, uh, you know, to get fired. Uh, and all of that. So um, and then you hear um, uh, at the time I read a little bit, uh, just to inform myself about this. And then I read about this, uh, some big composer who does master classes, in the United States. And he was saying that he was really surprised that the, the tapes he gets from uh, uh, all the newcomers, uh, new composers, were so uh, conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like they were already formats to do this job. Yeah. And then uh, and uh, everything that I read is the importance to be original. Uh, but I didn't realize how far, uh, you know, y- y- original uh, that, that means I mean, how far you need to go. And then um, so I guess utopia uh, by Opening up like that and just doing something that felt uh, really, really personal. Um, Personally, in the sense, so uh, uh, you know, the process was was extremely weird. Uh, I went to London and I brought uh, stuff that I, I didn't know exactly why I was bringing it. I, I, I what did you bring? Well, I so uh, most of this stuff people already know, so uh they must be tired of hearing about this but i brought some human bones uh that i had uh that i i happen to have because uh in chile i have family uh in the north of chile uh and i have cousins there and we were um, we we went to a desert uh where this uh you know there's a uh, very old uh uh, cemetery like Indian cemeteries uh, and whatnot, and then we found lots of stuff. Uh, it's just uh, it's not like we were digging, uh, you know, and opening uh, graves and stuff. It's just very old. Uh, they used to put people basically in the sand, and it's it's very it's all salt and sand around there. So yeah. uh, uh, you you tend to have almost mummified you know pieces of people uh and even clothes uh, and everything uh, so yeah i i brought some uh bones and uh, uh stuff like that and then um also i uh, i had some stuff from that i took from zimbabwe uh i brought some uh, um rhino shit that was uh dried up that i used some uh, as percussion and then uh Uh, It's not that I couldn't have done that percussion uh, on anything else. I mean, it's not that the sound is so particular. You know, I did a video uh, that's on YouTube where I'm playing uh, that uh, rhino shit with with, uh, chopsticks. (laughs) Actual video, that actual I need image to find
0: is, this. I didn't see that. I had to watch well, this.
1: You know, that, that's the actual sound, the, uh, the actual uh, take from, from the score, from the album, and that is on the show. Wow. And, uh, so it's process and everything. But I, I could <laughs> play on the table as well, you know. It's just a percussive sound. Sure. But all these things is just does something to your brain. I mean, mm. Thinking about this and somehow uh, attempting to do stuff with this kind of stuff, it, it just puts you in a, in this weird uh, creative place. And then I would have some, you know, rituals. Uh, like for example, I did, when uh, when I finished uh, Utopia, one uh, I was living near a cemetery in in London, uh, the Brompton Cemetery, and then uh, I went there. I, I, I used to walk there sometimes. And then I went there, and I thought uh, I, w- I wasn't going to need these bones anymore. And then uh, I, um, I, I I dig a little bit uh, under a, a plant, uh, uh, some bushes, and then uh, I, I I left the bones there. So there's a couple of things that 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 I uh, somehow uh, um, um, how you say uh, uh, put something in uh, under. Uh, six feet under yeah yeah uh, <laughs> it wasn't so, six feet though right six uh, inches went, uh, so yeah <laughs> so again nothing to do with the music sure but there's a soul
0: uh, to it though right i think there's but, a reason why you didn't just bring a synthesizer or something right there's you wanted some sort of like interesting objects to play with to counter what you were seeing at this uh, point in the process did you you've had read the script right
1: I would think, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no. I had read the script, and then I had images and everything. They already uh, had
0: dailies coming through, footage, or the actors, or something, or like, how yeah, Did you so see I stuff ready?
1: Images, uh, and I had uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I knew the script, but uh, so I, I would say the process could be called a, a ritual.
2: Hmm.
1: It would be interesting uh, uh, to call the the, uh, the process a ritual because uh, all all these rituals really do. St- affect uh, uh, the sound, uh, ultimately, it's, it's not easy to quantify, because, you know, he's, um, for example, uh, I don't know, if you go to a studio to Abbey Road, and then you record some stuff, and you, you have this, you know, really original ideas and everything, there's something about the process that is going to make it somehow similar to what we already know. Because you're doing the whole thing of, high, you have this guy who hires the musicians, and then you have an arranger that is arranging your music, and then you have this whole, uh, you know, enterprise that everybody everybody is doing. Everybody using the same enterprise. So yeah. even if your initial ideas were different, I mean, it's... To me, I, I don't believe it's going to sound that much different because of this uh, process. Uh, so uh, I really, uh, I, I do believe in uh, nurturing, I mean, helping your imagination and uh, doing with, uh, you doing some uh, whatever rituals uh, suits uh, your brain uh, or anything which is really abstract to explain. Yeah, but it's very personal. It does. It does, yeah. it does, it does make a difference,
0: uh, I believe. Yeah, I mean, your process sounds very personal to you, which is, I think, again, a lot of things are coming up in our conversation is being authentic and trusting the process and doing things that are against the grain that in infi- ins- inspires the rest of the work. So the so you're in Montreal, you fly out to London, and you're in London for um, the duration of the production. Yeah, like six months. Okay, six months. During that time, so the director, he's out doing his job and capturing the, 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 the product itself and then bringing it back. Are you getting dailies and then you're reacting to them? Or how does it work for you? Like, what's the process like? Are you in London then receiving dailies, kind of consuming them and kind of coming up with things? Or were you sitting in the, wherever you're at and then kind of composing weird things and coming up with riffs and ideas and melodies and stuff. How is it for you in that process?
1: Uh, I tend to, uh, for Utopia, I think they send me a a rough cut that was very long. It was like a movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And then uh, from there, they're going to chop down uh, until they get the the timing uh, they need uh, for that episode. So, I get lots of stuff that is not gonna be there uh, in the end, which is a, sh- a shame because uh, that's well, that's television. I mean, you're dealing with uh, this uh, time constraints and. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, I uh, maybe uh, every week I would, uh, they, they they would send me a new edit, uh, shorter version, and sometimes some scenes disappear. Uh, Sometimes there's scenes that uh, reappear, and then another one's gone. And then uh, so you see the whole process how, how uh, it could be many different projects. Uh, Every time there's a new edit and uh, different music, like the music completely changes the project. it, it's hard to imagine because we all get we always get just one version to, to watch of anything we watch on a on screen. But when you get to work on something and you try uh, different music, uh, and then uh, you realize the music is it's it's somehow making the project. Mm. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's extremely powerful. Uh, how it uh, manipulates you uh, how you feel about what you're watching. And uh, I think it has the power to make to destroy a project or to make to make it really to elevate a project, even if it was already good, uh, it could elevate it to uh, uh, much higher. So, uh, yeah, I think. uh, uh, I don't know about the process uh, of utopia. I don't know if there was any 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 more than that really. Uh, uh, getting, you know, like cuts every week or sometimes uh, uh, a couple of times a, a week or uh, I don't know. And then I uh, just uh, work on that. Uh, it does happen that I did music, and it wasn't on the image. Um, some sometimes I was trying to catch uh, uh, maybe an energy uh, that I felt with in the in the whole project in the whole episode, for example, the first episode, but I wasn't uh, doing music for a, a particular scene. I did music to show the director um, uh, a particular vibe. Uh, and, and then I would give this to the director and and just wait for him to maybe try something. Uh, try it, uh, wh- wh- whatever he wants to try it uh, uh, on top of the images. And, uh, <clears throat> Uh, often the director would come, uh, to my place and, uh, you know, just watch what I was working on. And then, uh, we would uh, maybe connect on one idea. Uh, for example, one of the main things in utopia are the percussions, uh, the rhythms, yeah. which are very, uh, celebratory as, as the director likes to say, <laughs> uh, and, uh, which is uh, one of the weirdest parts uh, about uh, about how the music connects with the show, mm. uh, and um, so and that started with one particular scene where uh, a guy has been tortured and then he's missing an eye and then.
0: Uh, Wilson and then- Wilson. Yeah,
1: Wilson. Wilson, and then another guy. Uh, Spoiler alert, people. <laughs> yeah. then, uh, another guy comes to the scene, uh, which is uh, Lee, and then uh, uh, the the guy that was tortured managed to get himself uh, free, and he had a, a gun in his hand, but he couldn't see; uh, he was blindfolded. And then uh, uh, Lee uh, also has a, a gun, I believe, and they they start doing this dance, because uh, Lee is trying to avoid this guy uh, from shooting him. So he's moving left and right, because the other guy can see uh, cannot see. So he's just, just trying to shoot anywhere. And they, it really looks like they're dancing. And then uh, I put this uh, um, um, somehow samba type of music, uh, or batucada or whatever you want to call it, Brazilian music. And then uh, so this is one thing that I tried. And then I thought uh, it was not going to work, uh, because it's so weird. Yeah. And then the director is watching this and then he starts like moving around, like getting into the groove for the scene. <laughs> and then he, he, he was completely into it. Yeah. Uh, and then, so that you know, that was somehow the break for that, for that type of sound. And then, uh, the, they started using it for, uh, other stuff, other scenes. I believe the editor um, um, uh, put it in the first scene, uh, some bits of that uh, on the first scene, mm. uh, which became like the classic utopia scene, uh, when they're, uh, you know, uh, putting gas on people, yeah. and the percussion starts. So, uh, so I, I, uh, I rework based on that, and uh, did a whole uh, track that would work for, for the this interesting, and then, uh, you know, again, uh, just before the show was, uh, about to be, uh, you know, uh, finished, uh, there were some concerns uh, about, you know, this music opening the show. Uh, really? uh, because, uh, I mean, understandably, because it's, uh, it, it is weird uh, to have this uh, very violent thing going on. And then this very dance, nice. yeah. <laughs>
0: I love that, though. The juxtaposition is what makes it so authentic, I think, because it's a very violent show. But your contribution is it's like almost makes it cheeky or like comedic almost in a sense, which makes it ultra creepy because it's like, wait, hold on. My body's feeling this, but my mind's saying this another. My ears are hearing things, but my eyes are seeing another. And it's like. Wait, hold on, <laughs> this is very odd <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, so it, it does take you know it, it might take a, a bit of time to uh
0: I got it immediately, I thought it was great, but I can see how people would be afraid of it, you know but,
1: but you know the so so they they put this uh this this stuff in the first scene, and then i I worked some something specifically for this scene in the same with the same type of percussions. And then they got a little bit afraid that maybe uh, it wasn't the right way to open it. And then at that at that particular moment, I I, uh, I became more, more cocky about about that because I was sure it was the best way to open it. So I told them, if you don't put this music at the beginning of the show, then it's gonna be just like any other show, and it's true. Gonna be, uh, this and that and whatever. Yeah. So in the end, it, 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 it's it's like a uh, uh, we both were afraid at different times. And we were both pushing each other when the other guy was afraid to, to go more into that direction. So uh, it's, uh, it's just it's the best stuff. It's the uh, it really does feel it did feel like a band uh, making music. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty much the, the same thing. I mean, in a, in a band, you have a singer you have to deal with. And then the music has to fit for him or her. If uh, you know she's not not writing music or anything, so all these things, all all these concerns, uh, are very similar. And, and to me, I was just you know exchanging uh, the singer for the director or a producer, and then the, the bass player for you know the editor or whatever. Uh, so. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I prefer to think of it uh, in that way. uh, That's probably a good
0: familiar place, too, because you come from making music in bands, too, and you have to stroke people's egos and work with that as well. But yeah, that's good that you stood up for it, because honestly, I think it made it better and stronger as well. And I think it kind of takes it onto a a whole nother realm, I, I suppose, which I think is really great which elevates it. Let's talk a little bit about your band life. I mean, making music. Have you been making music since you were young or where did this come about? Did your parents play music? Did you come across Uh, an album that really inspired you? What, what, what spawned uh, all this? The, uh, uh,
1: I don't remember ever not being a musician uh, or not wanting being a musician. Um, I I think I was always in some, some kind of band. Uh, when I was in Chile, uh, uh, we would do demos or on a ghetto blaster on tapes. Uh, <laughs> and then that, so that those were my first producing experience, uh, because I would play, uh, whatever guitar or, uh, uh not drums, but, uh, you know, like, uh, I would make drums with card boxes or anything that I, I could, uh, you know, bash on. And then uh, we were experimenting with, uh, for example, uh, those old ghetto blasters. You could, uh, if you would uh, press, uh, record and play at the same time, just halfways, ways, uh, you get the, the thing running uh, at twice the speed uh, or whatever, just running too fast. So when you record a sound and then you play it back, at the normal speed, then you have like a monster voice or anything, uh, a huge sound. Hmm. So uh, the, uh, uh, I would experiment a lot with things like that. And then uh, I had an uncle that told me that, uh, you know, I could reverse a speaker and turn it into a microphone. So I had like an old cheap uh, speaker that I, I would plug into the uh, mic input of a of the ghetto blaster. And then I would use it to amplify a guitar or or you know tape it on the uh, on the floor and just tap with my feet on the floor and put the 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 speakers to the max, and then I would get somehow like a hip hop uh kind of uh bass drum hmm. sound going so uh have uh, been doing yeah. this for a while yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in Chile, it's very common to have an island string guitars. Uh, in every house. Hmm. So nobody's really uh, a musician in the sense that you know, music is not a serious thing to do. Like uh, when I would tell uh, family or whoever that I wanted to become a musician, they would just laugh because it's not it wasn't something that you
0: it's very it, commonplace it's, there.
1: It's not it's not for real. I mean, it's something they, they would ask you what but what you want to do for real in life.
0: Hmm.
1: So um,
0: But uh, How did you overcome that? Because that's like, I mean, I think a lot of artists hear that too, because it's like, oh, that's a cute hobby or that's really funny. And then you go off and have this really successful career and support your living off of it. That's a big, that's a big leap, right?
1: Uh, uh, I think music is very present uh, in Latin America in general. Mm-hmm. So, uh, people just know the, uh, uh, the folk songs, the traditional stuff, and they, someone is going to pick up the guitar that's available and they're going to start singing, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, all these songs and everything. So it is present, although it's not like uh, something you, uh, you, you should be doing for a living or whatever. Um, and my, uh, my parents, uh, they, it was all very really artistic, but it, it, they, they were not professional musicians either. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom plays the piano and sings and plays the guitar. Uh, but she was a photograph and, uh, yeah, my, my grandmother was a painter and, uh, uh my father is a painter. Uh, so yeah, but then, uh, when we moved, uh, to Canada. I um my mom thought that the base school for a musician was the, the conservatory and then so uh, I went to the conservatory and then I uh, did the whole thing until uh, I got my master's degree so I was very much a, a classical musician at that point um but uh I always had uh, bands uh, so uh uh most classical musicians they 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 don't do anything else uh, than than classical music. But there's always a couple of them uh, that were uh, uh, the the odd the odd ones that would uh, you know listen to other music. And then I had this friend who was into heavy metal and stuff, and I was very much into he- uh, heavy metal. Oh uh, yeah, what kind?
0: Like, what you guys, have some bands okay. in mind,
1: anything from Slayer to like uh, Meshuga
0: and stuff. I'm sorry, do you know, do you like Meshuga? Meshuga,
1: yeah, and, well, yeah. um, uh, I would say anything to from death metal, uh, to uh, to whatever Metallica, who is more of a pop metal, I would say. (laughs) I would probably
0: hate that if you said that, but (laughs) maybe the old Metallica, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah,
1: yeah, no, I mean, maybe not the old Metallica. Of course, the first couple of albums where it it really defined what heavy metal should be. Yeah. Uh, But it it just became very poppy. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh,
0: I agree, I agree.
1: But, uh, yeah, so I was more into the more extreme... When I was in Chile with uh, with my friends, he was uh, just looking for the more extreme type of music, the fastest. Uh, like at some point there was a German band that came out. It was called uh, Creator with a K. Uh, and it, it was just faster than Slayer. And <laughs> impressive. And then something else, uh, Morbid Angel, which was like death metal. So it was even more extreme. So yeah, uh, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah, I I suppose lots of aggression had to come out. So in, in the conservatory <laughs> we uh we brought a big Marshall stack mm. uh we would play uh like really, really loud uh heavy music <laughs> and then get complaints, you know, from uh, teachers and stuff. And so you had to find a time where there was nobody around uh to do that. So it was a bit uh, subversive, Uh, but uh, yeah, so I I needed to keep that aspect, even though I was in the conservatory, which as the name implies is, uh, you know, uh, like, for example, the harmony that you that you learn is the harmony is Bach. Uh, there's nothing else that that That's that, that that's god that's all, that's all there is but, to is, but
0: where does he get his inspiration from right you know it's like he had to be inspired yeah. he had to make bad music before he made great music right so yeah yeah
1: but you know the, the conservatory is all about you know uh, uh, respecting the tradition sure. and how to best uh, make uh, uh, how to do the best interpretation of something that already exists uh, and, and to me, it's, uh, at some point, um, it never felt uh, very inspiring to spend 12 hours a day playing an instrument, uh, or many instruments, uh, uh, to become, you know, uh, the ultimate, uh, um, uh, how would you say interpreter? Yeah.
0: yeah Inter- like a photocopier, like a, yeah. Like a recorder. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. uh but uh, i mean it, it does have a value i mean I, sure. I i do have uh my favorite piano players uh, i don't listen to you know any chopin version of any piano player i have my favourite, so it does sure. make a huge uh, difference to have the right guy uh, uh, but uh, what i mean is uh, for me i just couldn't see where that was going to take me to become The absolute best uh, at at one small thing. Uh, And uh, to me, it always made more more sense to thinking of many instruments at the time, or uh, uh, like producing, for example, where in a band, you have to think about what everybody's doing, and then, uh, you know, trying to uh, make something happen with that. Uh, But at that point, I wasn't thinking about composition, uh, for like, for example, Uh, an orchestra or many people. Uh, Because uh, the conservatory being what it is, it is a a, a super snob with uh, not only with uh, other styles of of music, like pop or stuff like that. But for example, uh, compositions for the screen, uh, uh, music for films, it's like a joke, Mm -hmm. because more often than not, uh, and it can be a joke, uh, in the sense that uh, if you're listening to something that is com- it's a complete ripoff of, of Wagner or uh, or uh, anything, it's just like it seems to be a blend of Beethoven and then some Mahler and some this and that. And then they call it their composition or and it's just very weird. So they, they do have a point in being snug uh, in a sense, but... Um, uh, to me, I, I, just, at that point I was thinking like them. And so I wasn't interested, uh, uh, you know, in doing composition, uh, for, for movies and stuff. So I just, uh, kept doing, uh, you know, uh, uh pop music afterwards because when I got my diploma and I, I finished the conservatory, I had a band that was signed.
0: One <clears> time. <throat> uh, Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah we were, uh, uh, like, like the the sexy new band uh with uh, with warner uh, here so uh and then um, um so that's a whole another story uh, this so this were uh, I, I tried to make it short these were people that i was making music for uh, for a long time before we got signed and then we got signed and it became the cliche of the band that was just destroying itself uh, we were <laughs> like almost literally clean each other. <laughs> uh, you know, we had, uh, uh, when the first single came out, it was already over. Uh, we spent we had budgets like, a, like a big budget. And then we spent a year uh, in the studio, which is such a luxury these days, mm. uh, uh, right now. But um, yeah, so it, it became uh, really awful. Uh, the relationship so we didn't got to do anything really, uh, and then we had to start the band even uh, before anything significant really happened. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so that was happening, but that put me into the pop world, and I, I wasn't doing anything else. I completely forgot about classical music because I wanted, I didn't want to do the job of being uh, in an orchestra, uh, nine to five. Mm. Or being a teacher, that would be the last thing I could do, uh, being a teacher. Uh, I believe there's very, very few people who have the actual uh, talent and conviction and uh, who actually want to uh, teach kids and that are inspiring. There's lots of teachers that are frustrated musicians. (laughs) It's very, very very dangerous because when you're a kid, you don't realize what you're dealing with but uh, they can, uh, you know, poison you very fast. uh, And some of them are can get aggressive. Mm. Uh, It's very common to see kids in the conservatory running around crying. Uh, They just came out from uh, uh, some room and you don't know what happened there. But uh, you know, teachers can be really abusive. Sometimes Uh, they can uh, be insulting and and, and uh, yeah. And, is that and, part of
0: the process? You think, or is that not? Well,
1: I, I think yes, uh, and it can be really great because uh, I think as a species we are very lazy. So when you see something like uh, the movie uh, Whiplash, Whiplash, yeah, exactly, uh, uh, it does make total sense to me. So yeah. I'm not. There, there's two kind of musicians. There's the one that have been very. Uh, vocal about this movie and uh, they say that it's not like that at all, that it doesn't make sense that it, uh, that uh, this and that uh, some jazz musicians uh, that uh, spoke about this movie and to me they're really, really wrong in saying that because um, I think this movie represents how, how it really feels uh, that kind of pressure mm-hmm. and the kind of madness that both a student and, and the teacher can get into and the aggression and that—that that, that is stuff that happens often in the studio, also. Uh, you know the classic stories of Quincy Jones slapping Diana Ross in the studio to get something out of her, and which is really extreme.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it's uh, uh, and it's not that it's not an example for for anyone to to do or
0: anything. Sure. But I think there's stuff. But it's part of is, the art form, I would say. I right. I think there's
1: stuff that needs to be. Not consider uh, in 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 the sense that uh, you have to do that, but in the sense that there is reason why it gets there, and uh, uh, some people are uh, harder than uh, than other to uh, to take uh, to uh, how you say uh, to take something out of them uh, to get them inspired Mm. and to be uh, maybe honest. Uh, Sometimes a singer uh, would be singing uh, something uh, for you in the studio. And then uh, it's, it it can be really tricky to say something to the singer that is gonna, it's not gonna be a complete turn off. Uh, But at the same time, uh, you you need to explain that something is really not happening. Yeah. Uh, And, and if they think it was great but then you know it's not great, and then you have other people around you that they're pretty sure it's not really happening, it's not yet there, then, you know, pushing someone the extra mile can be really complicated. Uh, so in the conservatory, you see uh, lots of whiplash. You see people destroyed, uh, running out, and then uh, vomiting in the, in the uh, you know, in uh, 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 in the alley, they don't even have the time to get to to the toilets or whatever. Um, you also see a lot of abuse. There are people. Uh, there are some teachers that can be the. Uh, they they just go too far, uh, and then they they truly truly abuse uh, kids. Uh, so uh, it's it's a really complicated conversation because uh, it can make sense sometimes. Sure. Uh, yeah. It can sense. Uh, I mean. How you know how uh, an older person? How conscious is that person of the damage it could be doing to a kid? Yeah. Uh, or, or or not? Maybe it's just it's just what the kid needed to you know uh, get somewhere. So and lots of these uh, virtuoso uh, kids, for example, uh, you often see a little Chinese kid and their the parents uh, they are bringing them uh, to play. Uh, uh, you know they decided violent, very, very, very young, and it's like um, it, um, uh, it's almost like in the brainwash territory. Uh, they really trained like superhumans that they can, they cannot do anything else. That play, uh, you know, uh, twenty hours a day and barely barely eat or sleep or have any fun. Yeah. So some of the of these kids they drop out. You know they become. Uh, teenagers, and then they they can't take it anymore. So they just leave. Sure. And they they break and some don't don't break. So, you know, uh, I don't know what that says exactly of the system. But it does create some people that are just much more uh, performing uh, than others. And uh, for some reason, uh, one person breaks and the other doesn't. So uh, well, so anyhow, so that's that's a little bit the vibe in, in conservatories.
0: <laughs> well, I think uh, that's a vibe in any place that's actually producing like quality work, I, I would say. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something weird that seems to be happening more and more every day as I th- maybe there's a good thing to it. But I also feel that there's a for me, my standpoint on like everybody trying to like make, make everybody equal and may- basically making everything gray. I I find that there's a big risk for removing authenticity or removing the fact that like not everybody's equal. Please don't say everybody's equal because that's never been the case. We're all authentically unique. I think there's certain general like rights that everybody should have. Like, yes, we should all make the same amount of money if we're doing the same job. That's totally makes sense and stuff like that. But when it comes to actually producing strong people, I've I've been told and I've been broken before creatively. I've been broken down and it hurts so bad. Like I I immediately want, I'm shooken up and I feel emotionally destroyed. But the thing I think if we use use whiplash, for example, the, the main thing about that film is that he eventually found a way through it. And that's yeah. the trick. It, yeah. it, the whole part, the, the, the abuse and all that stuff that sucks and nobody should have to go through that if they're not willing to put themselves all the way through to the end. And you have to be aware that you you're entering into a world. You've, you might think that, you know, but you have no idea because the depth that's going to pull out of you and you're going to be the kid throwing up in the hallway, or you're going to be the one getting yelled at because you just aren't good enough. But that's some, sometimes people need to be shook alive and go, Hey, your work isn't good enough. It needs to be this good. And sometimes a teacher we'll have to do that verbally abusive or whatever. <laughs> I'm not necessarily the one to do that myself as well, because I don't I don't know if I can go that far with somebody unless they're willing to go further. But I mean, sometimes you just have to go through that fire. You do. And I, I think that I really believe in that, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know. You're sitting in the room with your director and he might say, hey, this isn't good enough. But instead of being vi- verbally abusive, he'll maybe go like, you know, this needs to be here. And if you if you've gone through that trial by fire through, you know, your journey of getting your master's degree, you're like, oh, this is nothing compared to what I had to deal with there. And I know where he's coming from. So you're already ready for it. And that makes the work better. I guess it's just a matter of how much you're willing to sacrifice yourself for your work. I guess that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. And uh, um, the problem is, is that it, it might not be clear. I think the younger you are, it might not be clear that that's, that's the, the struggle. Yes. Maybe if it was clear, it would be uh, helpful. Yeah. Uh, but you're not instructed that this is yet yeah, that you need to go through all this stuff. So uh, I suppose, uh, uh, you could lose uh, motivation at some point or, uh, or, or uh, question too much what's happening and then just leave or stuff like that. But, uh, uh, it makes me think of a situation I had in, uh, when I did this project called, uh, humans.
0: Yes. Yes. Which is fast fast and fantastic work too. I wanted to make sure we segue into that. Perfect.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, well, uh, so I, uh, uh I, I thought I, I was done with this project, um, when, uh, you know, I, uh, I had finished all the mixes and everything. And then uh, I was in London and then I left, I I went to Paris because uh, I have family in Paris. And then uh, uh, I was at my uh, sister's place, I think. And then I received uh, a text message from the director saying that there's uh, stuff that is not working. Uh, And I was convinced that I was finished and I was on vacation, I was off. But then uh, we have these notes, and some of them were, were, uh, 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 were quite surprising to me uh, that something didn't work. And then uh, I had to do something on the spot. Um, and I, I, I was in really terrible conditions. I didn't have a studio or anything. Hmm. Uh, I think at that point I had to be at my father's place. And I I I was listening to his speakers like computer speakers as my reference to be able to make a beat for a scene, (laughs) uh, which uh, it it was a scene which which needed, uh, uh, you know, uh, some kind of uh, more uh, club oriented music uh, or something. And then um, uh, on the first episode, and then So I'm doing this music uh, under the worst conditions. I'm mad because I thought it was on vacation and I'm I'm being asked to redo something. Uh, And I thought they they were wrong, obviously, because you always struggle. I mean, the first time you you get something like this doesn't work, then uh, you struggle back uh, because you think uh, it's perfect and this and that. But uh, uh, it turns out, uh, i did uh, this beat uh in, in this uh, very uh, bad mood and then i sent them and I, I did it really fast it, it's just uh, in an in an afternoon and i sent it and then uh, and it was uh, amazing like like the the main executive producer uh in that show uh who was the head of uh kudos for, uh, productions uh, uh at that time in in, uh, in london um uh, uh, she was like, this is my favorite track. And then uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, it, so there's so many things happening is that first, it says a lot about always wanting to be comfortable to work. Mm. Uh, because um, uh, you know, you want to have the right temperature and uh the screen at the right height and the keyboard, you know, in a place where your arm doesn't hurt and this and that, and you have a IT and you have maybe a view, you know, artists tend to want to have, a, you know, a setup
2: yeah.
1: that works. But uh honestly, uh the good stuff happens in any condition. And, and being comfortable could be a problem, I think. Because you think you feel you're feeling great about what you're doing, and maybe it's not great, it's not actually great in the sense that it's not connecting. Maybe you're doing something that is not gonna connect uh, with, with um, uh, many people, or has a I don't know, some things lacking or whatever. So uh, that that situation got me thinking about all these uh, things because this have, there have been many situations where I wasn't comfortable working. Mm-hmm. And then I realized afterwards that that might be uh, my best work actually. Sure. So uh, again, uh, it, it goes into the survival instincts thing. Where if you don't have to survive, then your art couldn't be possibly as interesting. I, I think. Mm. I think that's the that this is the main problem with uh, you know superstars or anyone who is becoming. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a billionaire or uh, whatever uh, uh, in show business uh, and then they become uninspired and then uh, the projects become uh, less interesting and this and that and I think it's a it's a vortex that uh, it, it could be hard to avoid uh, or not, I mean sometimes I, I see people who are uh, uninspired uh, but they're so comfortable and they just don't want to do the moves that would make something happen. Like, for example, I don't know, I I, I always wonder why some superstar doesn't just just go to some, uh, you know, some country and get lost uh, in the in in a place where, you know, in, in some shit hole in, in, in Thailand where there's no tourists, and you have to survive the situation, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, whatever tough, struggling situation. Uh, I think it, it's worth, uh, you know, uh, any anything you could think of, uh, 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 of um, uh, I'm trying to think of, of what an artist normally thinks uh, of, uh, of using to be inspired, and uh, and and those things are mostly related to comfort, and I think that's the big mistake. So yeah. that, that's trying to say that uh, that uh, I vo- avoiding you know being af- uh, uncomfortable. And once again, we've been talking about this since the since the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah a common avoiding, theme. Avoiding fear, uh, all this stuff uh, is just. Uh, uh, very detrimental, I think,
0: for mm-hmm. creativity. That's a real. That's a real unfortunate thing, though, if you really think about it. Because when I when I hear that, and I agree with you, and I know that to be true because I've been dealing with it my entire life. But the adversity of life and going through that, the problem, the the fear thing, I think for anybody that's probably listening is going like, so that means that if I decide to do art, that my life is going to be a constant trial and error of difficult journeys, one over the other one. I mean, isn't that true? It never ends, right? It's constantly a struggle. There's wins. You have victories, right? But then there's, they're like these little moments. Well, and then the rest I, of it's the struggle, right? Uh,
1: What's the it ratio? Ma- it, it makes it very hard to uh, appreciate the journey. You know, yeah. uh, I think everybody knows this sentence, you know, to uh, that we need to It's about the journey. It's not about the end and this and that. Yeah. But uh, we don't really go for that. Uh, we we are like programmed to uh, reach that moment where we're going to be comfortable and we're all set. So whether that's being a millionaire or anything, I, I suppose it depends on the country you live in. But uh, and uh, yeah, so and that's that's uh, that, that is a problem because then you stop appreciating the journey and the struggle and. Uh, And I I think I, I mean, every day I try to I I appreciate it. And then uh, don't be uh, don't spend too much time being mad about this and that about uh, whatever someone said, or uh, whatever is happening with the business, uh, 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 and this and that. Uh, And instead, uh, trying to embrace all of that, and thinking about uh, uh the result of that uh, meaning that most of the time when i when i struggled to to come up with some music because of uh, 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 the struggle that that was happening uh it it just happens to be uh a, a, a more um the result uh, is more um uh it translates more uh, uh, with people and I think whatever what makes me the happiest is when things translate to to people in general not to specialists or you know uh, uh anything like that but just to normal people I'm really curious about what people think about my music uh, I'm even often, I have done uh, before, like on social networks, like Twitter and stuff, I would ask some random people something about, uh, you know, about a, a track that I did, or uh, about my music in general, or, or or anything really. Sometimes I ask like technical questions that people don't really understand, but they they, they give me an answer. Uh, and it, it means a lot to me, even though it, it, it's just uh a weird situation where a non musician is given, uh, you know, a, like a technical po- point of view to a musician, but I'm learning so much from people who are not musicians who are just yeah, appreciating maybe my music, because they telling me uh, first, there, there's stuff that I, 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 uh, I wasn't aware of that my music could do uh, that they're telling me about. And mm-hmm. then uh, uh, that informs a lot on how I feel about my music too, because uh, it's going to inform how, uh, how I work. And then uh, uh, sometimes I don't give a chance to a certain idea that I think is risky. And then, but I go for it. And then I realize that's what people appreciate the most. So it's almost like, you know, uh, going out and being um, uh, more open and, and uh, saying things uh, that were too personal. And then you thought people were going to take it badly, but they don't. Uh, and it's the opposite. So, uh, there's lots of stuff like that that I really appreciate.
0: Are you very active with your social media? I mean, it sounds pretty interesting to, to be so open and to evolve. It's you're taking it in a very mature standpoint. Do you ever get like, you know, somebody on social media being reflected negatively on your work or criticizing you in some way? And how do you deal with that?
1: Uh, no, in general, when, when, uh, stuff have, have gone, uh, uh, stupid on, uh, on uh, social media, it wasn't, uh, interesting. It's never about music or anything like that. Sure. Uh, it's more political stuff. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. And to the point, to the point where, uh, uh, you know, so, so, uh, I, I always try to, uh, use, Uh, for example, Twitter as another creative form of uh, communication. I mean, I'm not seeing anybody's faces, so that's weird. Uh, uh, And there's so many weird things about social networks that I couldn't possibly use it as a normal person who is in front of uh, another normal person uh, just uh, having a a discussion. So for me, I took it uh, a different way. Uh, 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 I don't talk or act the way I act with with people normally, I am just going to throw an idea, for example, and just wait for people to react to it and see where the the conversation goes. Um, I'm not I more often than not, I try to put stuff that is not very clear. But it is just uh, making ideas happen. Uh, And well, I'm assuming people who are following me for my music, Would be open to that, you know, to be more creative, not necessarily taking me for a politician, but uh, it is very hard. And when people don't uh, do take my, uh, uh, let's say, a a tweet for a political tweet, Mm -hmm. uh, then things could go really wrong. And then because you're not talking, that's a problem. When you're talking to someone, then you get somewhere. But in this stuff, it's just like uh, a. it's like a downward spiral things just yeah. get stupid all like every single time so
0: yeah you never uh, use twitter for like talking about religion or or politics because it's just there's no point to it i think i think you're right to use it as a, pl- a place to to drop an idea and almost to watch it kind of gestate and grow and manifest and metabolize and become this its own thing where people kind of feed into it in a creative space even if it's a negative thing i think it's fine but yeah i mean twitter is is is, is, a, is a perfect example of a lot of failures in social media in my perspective though <laughs> yeah but it's also some really great things that come from it too which i think it's fascinating that you're using as a as a device to communicate with people who aren't necessarily technically savvy or understand all these technicalities but are so, the normal person that you would want to experience your work you know, like a, a a casual outsider walking into a gallery looking at a masterwork, you're just curious, like, hey, what do you see? And sometimes yeah. there's a, like, I used to do that with my my wife because she doesn't come from this industry. So I would get her to look and voice her opinion. And it was quite interesting because usually I'd get really offended or upset because she didn't get it or like it, you know? So I'm like, "Ah, oh, why don't you get it? But then I learned to understand, like, oh, I'm making... There's different levels of your work, I think. And I'm not sure if you feel the same way. There's work for you. There's work for others. And then there's just work to be created, you know. Yeah. Do, you, do you agree with that? And and where do you, like, how do you balance it for yourself? Because obviously doing this stuff for Utopia and the humans and all these other things, that's more or less paid work for hire kind of stuff. It's fantastic. But do you also, do you just sit down and play an instrument? Do you make time for that? Do you? Like, how does that work? What's the ratio for you in your life of your love of music and doing it for a living and also for a passion? Um, <laughs> it's going to connect to my next question, which is, are you a workaholic? Seems like you might be.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's really nothing else uh, that much. Uh, you don't, which,
0: do you have a family life and stuff as well? Uh, kids? No, no. I, kids? uh <laughs>
1: um it's very hard because uh, like what I'm working on now it's to um, to not be constantly in a in a mind frame of uh accomplishing something mm-hmm. uh which is almost like a sickness uh, because yeah playing an instrument is something and uh, all of that but uh, there's something, there's a drive that uh, I guess uh, some people have that you, you need to be accomplishing something all the time and every day some, some some new idea, some new track or whatever, or some new project that you just finished and you need to be already on the next project, if not doing almost two projects at, at the same time and all that. Uh, Sounds like the me. Problem, <laughs> the problem is that 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 doesn't that doesn't seem to go, go away unless you're consciously uh, try to uh, have more of a, a life outside of that. Yeah. So uh, there's many motivations for me to try to do that now. Uh, is that uh, I think, for example, if you're in a bit of making one project after another, at some point there's no way you're gonna be saying anything. That's of any interest to anyone, uh, other than ma- just doing a job. Uh, that y- is just how you, you, you somehow you're helping a project, and uh, but it's completely unremarkable uh, because you're not really saying something. Uh, I think that's one of the dangers of uh, not having a life, uh, of not uh, 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 you know um, whatever traveling. Uh, learning from other cultures from other people uh, from anything that is not related to work that is not related to music, or uh, to, to professionals, you know, in, in, in this business, you're always surrounded by professionals or people that are somehow doing something similar to you, because uh, they they understand, uh, you, you know, they, they know what you're going through, they have they're going to crazy schedules and all of that, so you tend to go for these kind of people. Uh, so uh, in the end, I think uh, uh, I, I, I think you become a, a less relevant artist to your time uh, when that happens, mm-hmm. as in any in, in any other business, really. Uh, I mean, it, it could be a band that is that is gone uh, irrelevant, you know, just okay. for being. Uh, you know, always on tour and be, becoming millionaires and stuff,
0: they do the same thing with comedians too like you 'll see a comedian that starts off their their comedies based on their life, which is oftentimes quite fucked up and then they will their their the thing that was a catalyst of their development and growth comes from their life and then then all they do is tour and travel, and then their jokes become about touring and traveling, and then yeah. they become irrelevant and they lack. I I completely agree with you. And I think that's an important part of about the, the journey of being an artist is to have different things in my life. I have, I love cars. It's this weird obsession that I have. And I also love martial arts. I trained jujitsu and, and training jujitsu for me has been like this ability to, to work with people on a very personal level because we're basically trying to kill one another. And it's like this very like tightly bound, um, I call it like body chest. And so that's like, an outlet as well. It's kind of a thing that fosters and creates, brings a lot of things into the, the, the art world. Cause you know, I deal with people like, let's say on Twitter being assholes or social media. And I go like, yeah, it's, it's different from martial arts where you're right to the person's face and you're grinding your, your body weight onto them. And it's like this whole thing. Do you have a physical outlet or something as well? Because you talk about like, not just only doing music and, and work and stuff, but also having a life that contributes back to the, the work itself. So what is your avenue of escape? If, if, if that's the, uh, I guess, uh, the word. Well,
1: um, I, I think my, uh, the thing that I like the most, uh, uh, which, uh, outside of, uh, music would be traveling, uh,
0: mm.
1: and staying as long as possible in a place that I, uh, I don't know. Mm. So, mm. and so that I can live a little bit like, uh, other people, um, as far as uh, uh, activities, uh, I would say uh, it could be anything from rollerblade to uh, you know bicycle or, or anything really as as anybody else you know uh, whatever uh, uh, sports I, I can do. Uh, uh, I, I tend to go for uh, what I really like about, uh, for example, about uh, uh, rollerblade is that. Uh, I'm really terrible at it, so <laughs> the the best thing that I can do is to go up uh, mountains. So uh, uh, going in uh, on, on really steep uh, places that are, it's almost impossible to go up uh, with a rollerblade. <laughs> and uh, what
0: about coming down?
1: Uh, so that I don't do that because then I would kill myself.
0: <laughs> so you walk down
1: <laughs> so I Do that because it, it's so, so demanding that, that when, when, when I get uh, to the top of the mountain is uh, I barely survived that. And then I, I feel completely changed. Hmm. Uh, so it felt a, a little bit, uh, I, at some point I was doing a uh, martial arts, uh, like karate. And uh, I did some uh, Tai Chi for a while. And then it gave me that sensation too. uh, of internal change. Yeah. So that's, that's very uh, important because, um, uh, it's always hard to remind, remind your, 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 yourself or your brain that your brain is actually your body. It's not like a separate <laughs> thing. It's, it's not like two things. There's a brain and there's like a car, you know, helping it move, move around uh, with arms and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's, it, <laughs> it's it funny
0: because that's so true.
1: it's true so it's it's so hard to change i mean it's so easy to to become creative by doing something physical actually yeah that you wouldn't expect something like that you should try
0: jujitsu man like when i was in montreal they actually have a a a gym i don't know whereabouts in the city you live but um they have a a really good jujitsu gym and i went there and trained there and that's another thing that's really interesting is when you You train with these people that you're so familiar with, and when you when I travel, I try to train as well, and I meet complete strangers, and I go right into combat with them, and it's this interesting kind of exchange—not out of anger or spite or any of that stuff. It's a complete cerebral thing, but it's—I mean—it sounds like you'd probably really love it. I'm I'm always constantly pushing people to try it because it's like what it's done to my life has like really changed me. And if you're a heavy thinking person, if you're constantly contemplating things and you have a like a like i find it to be so fascinating because it's very technical but it combines the body and mind harmoniously together as one and when you're really doing jujitsu you're completely like emptied mind like your mind is completely empty and you're just in the moment and that is so rare more than ever now because of the inundation of electronics and conversations and stimulus our brain is completely overwhelmed so to have complete empty mind is like is actually a task to get there, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's such a luxury. It is, but you can you you can exercise it like anything because it's like that. You mentioned traveling a lot. I love traveling as well. Is there a place that you've traveled recently that you really enjoyed, or is there some place that you can think of that you definitely want to go back later on?
1: Uh, well, the last the place I was was uh, Portugal. Okay. Uh, it was the like first Lisbon time.
0: area or whereabouts in Portugal?
1: Lisbon and Porto. Okay. Uh,
0: it's really beautiful there, huh?
1: It's really beautiful and it's really, uh, I was really surprised uh, about uh, the people. Mm. Uh, I think there's many things about Porto that are, that are amazing and it's beautiful and everything, but uh, the people seem to be like a, a true treasure, uh, it, it, it feels to me, uh, at least. Yeah. Um, because uh, uh, so many things. I I mean, there's something really old school uh, about uh, Portugal. For example, uh, you go to restaurants and it's barely like this room, you know, it's it's like half a room and there's like two or three tables. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a lady cooking in the kitchen. Uh, who's bossing people around? That's uh, my favorite and, restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and then it's uh, like somebody's
0: home, right? It's like you're going to yeah, somebody's house. Yeah,
1: so you're basically going to somebody's home who is cooking for you, and it's just <laughs> amazing. And then uh, and, and then sometimes uh, you often see many generations of people eating together at the restaurant, mm. uh, families, uh, uh, kids and grandparents and. Uh, and uh, so stuff that doesn't like, for example, uh, you see lots of uh, old people uh, uh, working really active and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not like they're suffering or anything like everybody seems really energetic mm-hmm. and wanting uh, uh, to do this stuff, which is very different from, for example, North America, where very early on, we're thinking about putting old people away into <laughs> some place that uh, they're not going to bother us and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, that feels very special, Uh So, you know, uh, and they're they're very welcoming and very uh, well-educated and and they're very nice. And and the food is just uh, ridiculous. I heard that too. I can't wait.
0: I love the food. When you travel, the food is like where I spend all my money. It's like, I don't care what I do. I just want to eat good food constantly.
1: (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know, Thailand is just ridiculous. I can't wait for
0: Thailand. Yeah. Have you been to Vietnam yet? I hear Vietnam is quite interesting and like beautiful as well.
1: Yeah, no, I haven't been, but, uh, that's, that's really Vietnamese and, uh, like Thai food are among my, my favorites. Uh, it's
0: really good uh, in the cold too. Like when I was in Montreal in wintertime, the one place that was open was this pho restaurant down, down like, uh, I guess, I don't know what that street is. It's a main street. And I think that's what it is. And that's like, it has a lot of Oriental restaurants and stuff and everything okay. was closed except this one pho restaurant, which was packed with people. And it was like minus twenty degrees or something. It's like for me in Southern California, it's like <laughs> we get like thirty degrees, maybe that's like the coldest we get. I was freezing so bad, and <laughs> I went in there and had a huge bowl of fun. It was like incredible because it 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 matched the climate so well, like perfectly. Oh wait, pho Are
1: you, like p h o?
0: Yeah, pho. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a great place. That's uh, actually a. Uh I went there so much they uh so you took a tonki uh soup the the big bowl with uh some like noodles and uh yep
0: yeah it has like you have like um uh like the, the bean sprouts and yeah. um like usually they'll have like a chicken broth you know so I'll usually just yeah. get chicken pho and then like or, or like Jaya yeah. or something, yeah, super good. Uh,
1: it's, uh, Asian basil, it's, it's like a cross between uh, mint and basil. Yes, it's so amazing. So good. That's yeah.
0: like the the flavors that you get from that combined and then put into the broth and stuff. Because the broth is usually something that they will make um a day before, so it just sits there and like you have full onions and the bone marrow and all this stuff. So when you drink it, you're just absorbing all this stuff. And when you have the basil, the basil and all that stuff too is it's yeah. outstanding. It's a place that I definitely want to go as well. I just got back from Japan, which is one of my favorite places as well. Have you been to Japan?
1: No, never. But oh, I, man. I just wait.
0: <laughs> I always tell people that I haven't been, just like just wait because it's Seems on a whole- like a-
1: crazy
0: place it's on a whole different level uh yeah. it's it's incredible that i really love it there i have to definitely check out portugal and everything as well um i know that we're going up on time i would love to just ask you like one last question if that's okay and yeah. then you get sure. you get to your day of making amazing music and inspiring us um last question is is more or less kind of focus on where is this journey for you going like where are you wanting to go like five ten years from now if we were to reconnect where would you want to be
1: um i really don't know i uh i haven't even thought more uh, than uh the next couple of uh, months <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I i i don't think that far i uh, i i think more in terms of uh uh being healthy both like physically and creativity uh on the creativity side yeah so um i suppose uh um i'm always thinking the future in in the in the sense of of out- outdoing uh, what i've done in a way I, I guess or finding some new sound if you will or something like that so those are like goals i would say um Finding some kind of balance uh, with uh, being uh, uh, music and uh, and 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 life in general uh, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, where I would like to be, I mean, it's so for me, it's impossible to think the place I I am now and where I came from. Uh, It it, it almost doesn't make sense. So I rather not think about the future uh, Mm. because. uh, this was, uh, a very, uh, weird path, uh, uh, for me to achieving, uh, all, all these uh, things and, uh, these projects, uh, that I did and, uh, crazy awards that, that I would have never, uh, you know, even dreamed about yeah. truly, literally I would have never thought of even getting anything for that. So um yeah who knows uh it's very uh uh yeah <laughs> i don't know the future man i'm trying to uh, i'm just gonna try to embrace it whatever that is
0: that's beautiful and that's like that's all you can do right you know you can't you can't control it so yeah and it's best not to like have too much expectations on yourself because then you're just going to be frustrated and upset all the time so <laughs> yeah sure that's beautiful thank you so much I really appreciate it It's it's been amazing talking to you and thank you for the countless hours of listening to your music and being inspired and 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 it's so great and, and so rich to hear your process and kind of get a little bit of a, a look into just who you are and, and it makes complete sense to me now that I hear your music it, it totally it totally equals what I was expecting in a sense and like in the best way so thank you so much I really appreciate it thank you all right, everyone, big thank yous to everyone for listening. Another huge thank you for, to Christo for coming on. He's obviously a very busy person, and I'm just so so thrilled to have him on the show. Um, so thank you so much, Christo. I appreciate your time. You can find uh, the show links and the notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 187 along with links to our Facebook, our Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Okay, everybody, you know the drill by now. Go out there, have an amazing day, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everyone.